So it used to be that the top originators and the owners of the mortgage company were kind of the heroes of the mortgage company. But today, where technology is so important for competition, for operational efficiencies, and for a best customer experience, today we have Tech Stack Heroes. You're listening to Mortgage Leadership Outlook, and I'm your host, Andrew Berman, along with my co-host, Tim Nguyen, who is going to be joining us today as we welcome Ashwin Dayal, who's the CSO over at Loan Monkey. We're going to talk about sailing tall ships. We're going to talk about AI, playing chess with mortgage technology, and more. Thank you for listening. Hello, everyone. This is Andrew Berman from NMP. Welcome to a very, very special Mortgage Leadership Outlook. You are watching the first Tech Stack Heroes. I'm so excited, Texty, to have you join us today. Uh, today actually is a very special day. Uh, we've actually had um, some some brainstorming with my good friend Tim over at Be Smart. He's a co-founder and CEO over at Be Smart. He's, um, let's call it. Tim, I'm, I'm going to just blow up your spot here. You were talking about doing, um, you know, point of sale long before actually, you know, anyone was ever talking about it. I mean, it was really, really just absolutely amazing. Um, so I, I really, really excited to have you join us. And um, for our first guest, for the Tech Stack Hero, I am super excited to bring you Ashwin Dayal. Ashwin, thank you so much for joining us. If you don't know Ashwin, Ashwin is, is the president of Loan Monkey. Gentlemen, thank you guys so much for joining us. Thanks for having us. So listen, I'm, I'm uh, you know, I actually, I, I want to start off, uh, you know, there's there's a lot we want to dig into uh, your history, Ashwin. I want to talk about uh, some things, but um, what's one thing actually you and I talked about uh, when when, you, when we first met, I want to ask you about, so I want to kind of bring you back to um so we talked about actually how you had experience, uh, you know, uh, flying, uh, you know, the, the, the big mass ships that you were doing. And you learned a lot about teamwork, you know, from that. Because we are going to, there's a lot of things actually we, we are going to talk about. If you stick around, we're going to get actually in, into the Loan Monkeys, uh, you know, tech stack. Uh, we're going to talk about, uh, you know, some, some things as, as it relates to AI and machine learning. Um, there's a lot of things we're going to do. But let's talk about actually, you know, the sailing tall ships and experience and how that relates to the the mortgage industry yeah for sure so uh so yeah as i was telling you when we talked uh sailing tall ships is still probably the best job i had in some ways uh it was it was quite enjoyable uh because a lot of how it related to teamwork so you know in essence the ship that we were sailing was a uh, 70 ton piece of wood that's floating in the water and you're trying to propel this with wind power and in order to do that, uh, unlike you know typical sailing boats, which one person can do, like those ones you see in the Bermuda races and so forth, this boat really can't be operated unless you have at least nine people working together in sync. If anyone is dropping the ball, the boat's not going to move anywhere. You're just going to be dead in the water. And so what, uh, what was pretty interesting about creating that environment is, uh, is two things. So, so the first one is that, uh, Everyone knows that the boat is not going to move if we don't all cooperate and work in sync. And so as a result, what happens is 
one, people don't slack. You know, everyone is putting in their weight and working as hard as they can to make this boat move. But two, uh, everyone kind of knows that, like, hey, if someone else needs help, I'm going to go help them because if I don't help them, this boat is not going to move and we're not going to get anywhere. And I think it's, you know, it's a really good metaphor for companies. You know, when we do things on the computer and, uh, and things are sort of so disconnected, it can often feel a little bit more like we're not really interdependent. But if, uh, you know, I think a common thing in mortgage, right, is sales and ops are always at odds with each other, right? And the sales people are like, hey, the ops people should be doing that thing. And the ops people are like, hey, why can't the sales people give me a clean file? And, uh, and I think, you know, either way, regardless of where that divide ends up, uh, if sales doesn't do their part, you don't have a loan to work on. And if ops doesn't do their part, there is no loan to close. And in essence, uh, if you think of the mortgage as kind of that boat, there's uh, there's really no motion unless everyone's working in sync. And so I think to the to the degree you can make everyone sort of feel that much like on the boat. In a boat, it's very direct because it's physical and like you're on the boat and it's moving or it's not moving. Uh, so it's very it's very direct what uh, what matters and whether you're working together or not. I think if you can create that experience in your companies, um, that's that's a really big element. The other um, the other small element I'll talk to you real quick on on kind of teamwork and what we did on the boat is uh, is one of the big things on the boat was uh, callbacks. So this concept is because um, you know when you're dealing with the ship the the sails, for example, are 3,000 pounds, and the ropes that are attached to them are driving that amount of force. And if you, you know, don't do things properly, uh, you can get hurt um, pretty badly. Uh, so, uh, so basically, it's it's really important that everyone kind of knows exactly what's going on and what the proper instructions are. And so, if I, for example, say, "Hey, Andrew, uh, go, you know, jig that sail." For example, right now, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you can go do that. <laughs> but if I say that, you would first repeat it back to me. You would say, "Okay, I'm gonna jig the sail," and so that way we both know that the communication went across, and that you actually know what I asked you to do, and I know what you're planning on doing, so that we can properly coordinate what's going to occur. And uh, you know, I think one of the things I've noticed in companies is oftentimes someone will be like oh, hey, can you do this thing? And the other person will be like, sure. And then they do a completely different thing because they didn't really understand what, uh, what, was, being, uh, what was being said. Wow. And, uh, and so I think that, that was another sort of powerful, powerful small lesson from, uh, from the boat. So and- uh, Sorry, I meant to cut you off. No, no, you're totally good. I was gonna say, if you're interested, I can talk a little bit about kind of how we have thought about replicating some of that here. Yeah, uh, I, I, honestly, I was I was gonna I was I mean, um, I am curious. Like, how do you create that? Because you have physical danger, and you know, like right. you you physically like the if you don't actually if you don't you know do one of those orders properly, you know the that three thousand pound sail can go away. So, um, like, what do you do? Yeah, like how do you bring that same sense of urgency when you know you're just you know chasing uh, you know page eight of eight that was left intentionally blank. Yeah, so I think there's two really big things. One is, and I've, I've noticed this in particular in the mortgage industry. Uh, I'll talk later about it if we want to, but I guess for everyone else's background, uh, I'm not really an industry veteran, uh, like most people you might talk to. I'm relatively new. 
So uh, kind of from an outsider perspective, one, one observation I've had is that uh, the big picture is not often given to people in, in this industry, it seems like. So for example, I one time had a processor who asked me what a PUD writer was. And I explained that a PUD writer you know, is needed because there's an HOA involved. And then she was like, well, what really is an HOA? And this person's been ordering HOA certs for like seven years. Uh, and, and the point is not really about the processor. The point, though, is that uh, the way the industry seems to operate is kind of like, here's your checklist, go knock off these things on this checklist, and then you're good, you've processed your loan. But like, what's, what's really the big picture of what we're doing here? Uh, we're dealing with really large transactions on people's homes, which is an extremely powerful emotional element for them. And like, it's, it's a big deal. I mean, in a, in a sense, there's equal danger. I mean, no one can get killed uh, doing a mortgage, I believe, to my knowledge. So, so that's a little bit better. But, uh, but you know, if it's done wrong, you could end up with a financial disaster. Uh, if it's done really wrong, you can end up with a national economic collapse or a global one. Uh, and so, you know, the stakes are actually really high. And, um, and I think that is sort of a thing in this industry, whereas, you know, I worked in social media advertising for a bit before and, you know, there the stakes are like, okay, you posted the, uh, the wine advertisement a little too late. And, uh, I think, you know, that's not really as high stakes, but here the stakes are pretty high. So I think one, one part is really giving people the big picture. And, uh, and one of the ways we try to do that, and admittingly, we're still quite young on this, is we're trying to integrate trainings into helping people understand, like, what is the whole process? What is it that everyone else in the company is really up to anyways, besides just what I'm up to? And why does any of that matter to what's what's happening here? What are what are the concepts involved and not just what are the checklists that I need to check off? So I think that's that's one part of it. The, um, the other thing that we've done, and uh, I can't claim credit for this, we stole this from another company. Um, so there's a really awesome company out there called Buffer that you guys may have heard of. They uh, are a social media technology company, and they have been remote from, uh, from the beginning, uh, ever since they started. And so essentially with, uh, with Buffer, the way they, uh, they operate is uh, they have a transparency model where they profit share. And that's one of the big things that they do is uh, they actually profit share with the employees. And so everyone is kind of invested in how does the company do as a, as a whole. And, uh, and so that's something we've actually pretty recently launched here as well, is, uh, is a profit sharing model so that everyone's sort of more invested in the, in the full direct way that, that the company goes. And it is a bit of an experiment for us. So, you know, if we talk again in, uh, eight months, I'll let you know how it went, but uh, <laughs> that's, 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 uh, that's what we're trying. So how many employees do you have? We are at about 50 people now. 50 people, fantastic. Yeah. So those those that now all 50 uh, instantly become actually part of the profit share and is it something that you, uh, like does it take uh, seniority to to be there? Like where, where does that, that uh, profit sharing kick in? Yeah, so I'll talk a little bit about kind of how we've thought about it so far, and then I'll maybe talk about how some you know companies like Buffer that are a bit more mature have, have thought about it. Um, so, so on our end, the way we've kind of thought about it is, uh, you know, much like many people in the industry, we had the misfortune of you know margins are compressing, and as margins have compressed, a lot of companies have just gone ahead and laid people off, uh, lots of people off. Um, 
Some companies have also gone through compensation changes. What we attempted to do, we unfortunately did also have to deal with some layoffs, um, which obviously is never fun or exciting for anyone. Um, but you know, really what we tried to do was to look at compensation changes. Um, that way everyone could still stay here, uh, but just we changed to you know, work with what, what the deal is in the market as a whole. Um, and I think, you know, fortunately, we have not cut compensation nearly as dramatically as I've heard other people have done, but, but we did do compensation cuts. So really, when we did that, what we thought about is, can we in some way turn that and convert that into sort of like a buy-in, if you will, into the profit share pool? And so based on kind of what, what level of cut people experienced, you know, that's sort of their buy-in into the pool if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's, uh, you know, you, you don't, you know, no one likes getting actually any kind of money taken away from them. But when you're done it actually, when when you're actually getting up a piece of the pie uh, to, sh to, to share, I think that's a, that's a great way to do it. A great way to kind of do it, to address the inevitable, uh, you know, uh, comp cuts. So that's um, fantastic. I, I, I love those concepts, love, love that idea. Um, Ashwin, would you mind talking to us a little bit about your your tech stack? You know, what is what is powering Loan Monkey? Yeah, for sure. So you know, it's a little bit of this is going to be out of the box, but then a lot of it is actually customization we've done on our side. Mm -hmm. So in terms of out of the box, what you know, people could go and try and buy if they want to do somewhat similar things. You know, on the LOS side, we use Byte currently today. On the POS side, we're using BeSmarty. Thank you, Tim. And uh, and uh, on the uh, PPE side, we're using Optimal Blue, and on the CRM side, we're using Incelerate. And so that's uh, essentially the base tech stack itself. From there, what we've done is we have done a lot of work to do what we call a last mile approach. So the last mile approach concept comes down to really, let's call it four key elements. So key element number one is software you buy on the market probably does about 80% of what you want it to do. And the reason is, you know, Tim has a slightly different problem than I have. Tim has to make a software product that doesn't just work for LoanMonkey's process. He needs to make it work for the other 100 lenders that he has on his platform. So Tim has that problem to deal with. Yeah. Uh, therefore, his software does a lot of what I want it to do, but it doesn't necessarily do the last 20% of what I want to do. So from there, I build the last 20%, leveraging the APIs that he makes available, as well as we do a lot of front-end customization uh, using our own JavaScript code that we embed into, into the pages. Um, so that's, that's kind of part one. Part two is that all of this out-of-the-box software is good, but it's not going to work well unless you integrate it together. And so what we do here is really we start from a non-tech perspective first. The first question is, what is really the consumer experience that we want to deliver? And so, you know, I think we'll end up talking about it more later, but Loan Monkey is really focused on the experience of how can we give the consumer a process that they don't necessarily have to talk to a human? Because, you know, in today's busy world, people have time when they have time, and that time may not be when we have time. Uh, like me, for example, I do everything at like 2 a.m., roughly. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> I don't have any employees who are working at 2 a.m. And uh, you know, I, I guess maybe someday if we get big enough, we'll be able to 24-hour staff. But right now, no way, not happening. 
Um, so how do we make an experience where a consumer can get everything done at 2 a.m. and everything still moves ahead? That's a lot of what we think about here. And when we think about that, we then say, OK, this is what that process should look like. And then once we've said this is what that process should look like, we think about how do we take these different elements of our technology, look at them from sort of an essentialist approach, like what is its higher level purpose, and, uh, and move that into one seamless process. And so that's step two, which is that integration layer. Step three that we really look at is now that we've created this integration layer and we have everything working together smoothly in the way that we want it to, how do we take uh, the data from that and use that data to make us smarter? And that comes into you know, a few different places. One is uh, how it makes us smarter at what we do. Two is how we make the experience feel personalized to the consumer. And then three is going to be uh, how can we use that data potentially to do uh, to do certain processes more intelligently? Like, can we hedge cheaper because we have better ways to predict fallout rate based on you know the data that we collect? That would be the kind of question we ask there. And so, uh, and so that's that's sort of how we've approached the uh, the technology as a whole and how how our stack is developed. So now, and where did this, where was the genesis of, of this stack development, you know, to, to like focusing on the customer journey? Like where, like, was, was this always like when, when Lone Monkey was a little baby monkey, uh, you know, was that actually, you know, was, was it built from the ground up like that? Or was Lone Monkey a traditional mortgage company that you kind of built actually technology around to say, how do we take this, you know, um, go to in, enhance the customer journey? Yeah, so it's uh, it's kind of a funny story. So our CEO Sean Marsh actually bought the domain Lone Monkey in like 1999, I think, and uh, he's been holding on to it since since then. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and he made that purchase because at the time he was uh, building a mortgage company off of bank rate, and uh, I guess uh, this is pre my time, but apparently bank rate was once a newspaper thing instead of an internet thing. Uh, and uh, and so it was Axis. So his original company was called Axis Mortgage. But in 1999, Sean realized that they were going to move digital. And he said, I really want a brand that stands out. You know, mortgage companies, we have a joke here that, uh, you know, hipster bars are all named like something commons or something public or something republic. Uh, we, we have a joke here that mortgage companies are always like first something, something funding, something capital. And even the companies that are digital, they'll be like better.com, aimalone.com. They, they put .com in there as if that's needed to justify the fact that they're a digital company. And, uh, and so we, uh, you know, Sean really wanted to create something that stood out in the market. He felt Loan Monkey would be kind of fun. It's a little bit irreverent. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's silly. We, we have a lot of customers who are like, oh, wow, it's really funny that I'm getting a loan from a company called Loan Monkey. Um, but so, you know, we, we have fun with it. But uh, that was his original concept back then. And even back then, Sean had been thinking a lot about how can we make a process where the AUS engines that we run with Fannie and Freddie can really be brought to the consumer uh, itself, uh, which you know is a problem that people like Tim have now solved. But back in 1999, uh, he was trying to talk to people at Fannie and Freddie themselves about making APIs available that he could then use to do that. Um, so in a sense, in one way, the genesis has been a very long time coming. Uh, in another sense, uh, sort of the way it worked out 
is Sean and I were working on another company, a sort of alternative to mortgage type company and building a process all around that. And then as sort of a side thing, we were like, okay, we can just broker some mortgages on the side to make a little bit of cash here while we're working on this other thing. And then, you know, the mortgage industry one took off because interest rates were super low. And two, at the same time, we uh, realized that the technology, while the pieces are fundamentally there, no one still really seems to have tried to tackle it the way that we're thinking about it. And so we just started kind of working on it in order to make our own processes more scalable. And then next thing you knew, we were like, this this place has a soft underbelly, so let's let's go let's go at it full force. And uh, and so now, two years later, uh, we are. 50 people instead of just uh, three people hanging out in his house eating sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> That's when I always learn so much about your business approach, your philosophy behind behind what you do. Um, you know, in a previous webinar, I remember you talked about a concept called asynchronous asynchronicity. I might be pronouncing yeah. that wrong. Um, I love it if you can share with the audience, you know, how that uh, most the way you do business overall and also how you approach the consumer communication part of it all. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, what Tim's alluding to here is uh, we have sort of three principles to our customer experience here at LoanMonkey. So one of those is personalization. One of those is communication. And uh, I can talk about those two later if we want. But uh, And then the third one is asynchronicity. And uh, I'll get a little philosophical here for a moment, but sort of philosophically first, the way the way we kind of thought about this is, you know, once upon a time in a bygone era that none of us lived in, uh, if you wanted to communicate with someone who was across the country, you had to mail a letter and then like two weeks or something later, they would uh, get it. There's that famous story, right, where there was a battle in the Revolutionary War that happened a month after the war had already ended because none of the soldiers or the armies actually knew yet that the war had ended because all the stuff was still taking time to get mailed. Uh, so, uh, so you know, the idea is that communication used to be with a huge time delay. Then the phone came and we moved into what I call the synchronous era, which is sort of like what most modern era technology was about. It was about this concept of synchronization. And that idea was I could now be in New York uh, I could call my loan officer who's in California. And if the loan officer picked up the phone, then we had synchronized communicating and we could now communicate through the process and make stuff move faster because we had the ability to synchronize. Yeah. Asynchronicity is what we see as sort of the next level of thing. And the way asynchronicity works is asynchronicity is this idea that we don't actually need to rely on synchronizing in order to make things so move quickly. And so the, the way I sort of explain this is I live, well, I don't live in New York anymore for the moment, but I was living in New York uh, a year ago. And uh, when I lived in New York, I would go on the subway. And on the subway, I might go ahead and peruse mortgage rates. But then once I got to my destination, I'm going about my day and I'm going to do my stuff. So I might have sent my request for mortgage rates in the morning on the subway, but I'm not going to get back to it until like 9 or 10 that night. And at nine or 10 that night, your loan officer is no longer available. So now we don't have the ability to move anything forward until your loan officer shows up again and reads my email or we get on the phone and synchronize. And so really the idea behind asynchronicity was to create a process by which I could move things forward without having to wait for you to do things. 
and then you can go do things and move things forward without having to wait for me to do things, and then I can move things forward without having to wait for you, and so forth. So, so this concept really comes from programming originally, and the idea is when a web page loads, do you have to wait for each step to load, or can most of it load and the one thing that's not loaded load whenever it loads? And, and that same concept is really what we try to embed in our process, the ability for everyone to drive things forward without depending on anyone else. And uh, POS systems like the Smarty are one of the really strong ways we can do that because a client can go to our website, they can fill out an application, they can get their credit pulled automatically, they can do online verifications automatically, they can get an automatic pre-approval through AUS. Where we're going with this though is we're actually going into the realm of integrating things like AI underwriting so that we go to the next level. We don't wanna just give you a pre-approval at that moment, we want to be able to give you a full bona fide underwritten approval at that moment, right up front, so that uh, you know you can walk into that purchase offer. You know, I think we all know the housing market is really hot. So what's happening right now is people on Friday night go and look at Zillow. They see a home they're really interested in. The open house is on Saturday, so they want to go on Saturday and walk in with a you know a strong pre-approval letter to make that financing offer. Uh, the way that people do it today is either what I just described with AUS, or you have to have loan officers who are available to give that verified pre-approval, which people like Rocket and Better are working on. What we want to do is we want to say, we'll give you better than a verified pre-approval. We'll give you a full approval, and you can go ahead and punch that in on 2 a.m. Saturday morning, and by 6 a.m. Saturday morning, you'll have it back. And so you can walk into that open house with a full approval, just pending the appraisal title escrow and any LOEs that pop out of the conditions. That's fine. That's a great um, segue into my next set of questions. So you talked about AI, machine learning, as it comes to you know making a better approval much faster uh, for consumers. Yep. What uh, are you looking at off the part uh, off the um, shelf software? You're looking at building your own. Uh, talk to me about kind of how you're approaching that um, nugget. Yeah. So. I'd say right now, we're looking at sort of three areas. You know, when we looked at things like POS systems, there's always this debate of, do you build it yourself or uh, or do you use something off the shelf? And, you know, if you're Rocket, you probably should build it yourself, I suppose. But if you're the rest of us, um, you know, the way that we sort of approach that question is we were like, okay, Tim has I'm making it up, Tim. You can tell us the real number. But Tim has 100 engineers working for him at his company. And all those engineers do is worry about POS and how to make POS really great. They don't worry about anything else. They only worry about POS. I have a team of uh, one developer, uh, not counting myself, but one you know, full-time software engineer here. And he worries about the whole process. And so if I had him building our own POS and building our own AI engine and building our own this and building our own that, it would be really hard to make that work. And this last mile approach is a really powerful element of how we've been able to accelerate in a way that you know, can put us on par with the experience that Better or Rocket have without having a team of hundreds of engineers like all of those companies do. And, um, and I'd say, so for AI, we look at three areas. One is being able to do things like this AI underwriting, which makes the experience more asynchronous. There are a lot of people working on that space, and the likelihood that we're going to beat them is very low. So instead, what we focus on is taking what they're doing, and what most of them are focused on is making it a back-end experience. 
So most of them are looking at banks. Those banks use it and they say, hey, an underwriter will run this. The underwriter will read the findings and then the underwriter can do three times as many loans. We're not as worried about how many loans a person can do. Obviously that's important. We're a lot more worried about turn times and that asynchronous concept, the perfect customer experience. And the way we think we'll do that is by taking that AI underwriting and pushing it into the consumer experience. That's the kind of thing that we want to focus on. So the AI underwriting itself, we're not building it ourselves, but what we're really focused on is taking that, translating it into a consumer experience and making it something that a consumer can use instead of relying on a professional underwriter to use it. Um, so that's one element. The second place that we look at AI is really in quality assurance. So how do we use AI to vet things and make sure that it's done properly um, to prevent messiness down the road? Um, and there's, again, a few companies that are really tackling that space. So we haven't worried too much about building our own there, but rather just routing it into a seamless process so that we don't have to have someone run it, but it happens automatically. Um, so a good example of that is a company called SnapDocs, which uh, has built AI around looking at the closing documents after they're signed and making sure that you know those closing documents have been done correctly and that you should be able to fund this loan. And then the third place that, uh, that we're looking at, and this is where we will be building ourselves, uh, especially because a lot of people are not using it here, is uh, how can we take all the data that we have and use that to be smarter about how we market or smarter about how we hedge our loans or things like that. You know, as a mortgage company, we have the fortune of uh, having an incredible amount of data on the customers that we have, um, right? Like, I mean, we know people's financial information, we know what they spend their money on, we know where they live, we know what homes they own, we, we know a lot about people. And that data is obviously very powerful for predicting, you know, how likely is it that someone will fall out and should I hedge that loan or not? It's also very powerful for, you know, who else should I market to? Uh, to try and find potential customers. How should I personalize this experience to this customer and so forth? And uh, and I think that's that's a lot of what we think about there in terms of building in-house is the utilization of data. Yeah, that's so, awesome. So really from your perch, you're able to take these pieces and play the ultimate chess game, right? The pieces exactly. that ourselves, we're carving the, the, the rook someone else is carving the, the the bishop. You get to really play the game and really put the pieces where it needs to go. That's yeah, great. we get to be the uh, the composer. <laughs> exactly. Instead of the uh, musicians. Andrew, I think you're gonna jump in. Yeah, now that's, uh, by the way, Tim, great, great analogy. I really, uh, I really think that's, that's, that's phenomenal. Um, yeah, so, so I, I love actually, you know, the, the approach, you know, you, you take what you can, where you can, and you build actually with whatever you uh, need, need to build. Um, so are, are there any other areas that you see in the future that, you know, you'll, you'll need to actually, um, you know, get into that you guys haven't gotten into it in terms of, you know, your tech stack, in terms of the technology that you haven't actually invested in yet, um, you know, anything, anything else on the horizon? Yeah, great question. So in terms of where we're thinking about expanding, I think right now the main stuff that we're looking at is, uh, is still really tying that consumer experience together. And that's kind of phase one. We see that as like the 2021 plan. Post-2021, I'd say there's two areas we're focused on. One is a lot of this data stuff that I just talked about and how we utilize our data to make smarter decisions, uh, market better, and so forth. 
the other place that we're really interested in is so when you think about mortgage i think there's a a common sort of simplified analogy that people often say they're like hey boeing can assemble a plane a plane in you know seven days and they have to do it with this amount of tolerance on error and yet mortgage companies take 57 days on average to close loans uh how is that possible um and obviously there's there's a lot of elements there it's a, it's a deep question but one of, exactly but one of the questions that I think uh, comes into it is, uh, is the fact that we don't control everything. So there's some part of it that is on us, but then there's some part of it that's on appraisers, there's some part of it that's on uh, title companies, and there's some part of it that's on the consumer themselves and how fast the consumer reacts. And so one of the things we are also thinking about and really looking at in 2022 is how do we once we make ourselves as fast as possible, always look inside first, right? So thumb point first, then, then worry about everything else. So we're starting with ourselves. But once we make ourselves as fast as possible, and the next question is, how do we make our vendors and our clients as fast as possible? Um, and you know, I think this is a big thing that uh, Toyota was really big on and sort of famous for when they started their just-in-time manufacturing is how they sort of get their suppliers to be more effective. But so one of the elements we're thinking a lot about is especially client-facing. How do we incentivize our clients to maybe do electronic verification as opposed to paper verification? And that makes it easier for things to be processed. How do we get our clients to submit things faster um, and so forth? And so one of the elements we're really interested in focusing on, and again, this is quite early, we haven't done a lot of work here, is gamification and how we can leverage sort of the theory of nudges from psychology to sort of help our consumers do their side faster. And similarly, we'll then look at our vendors and how do we get them to perform faster. And I think that's uh, that's sort of the next frontier that we're going to be hunting down. Not for nothing. Tim, I, I think he just invited you to a game of chess. <laughs> I'll do my best, but I, I'm pretty that's sure great. I know what the outcome's going to be. That's awesome. <laughs> that is great. That is fantastic. Um, I, lo I love actually love the strategy. I love the approach, um, and just how you guys are thinking about the next thing. What do you do actually to to improve that 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 uh, consumer process? Um, and I just still, you know, Tim, that that, that analogy of the, the chess game. I see uh, Ushwin actually out there visually. I'm picturing him with the chess, the the the, the rook that he's actually uh, uh, um, making, and and the the stuff that he's getting from other vendors. That is, people are tweaking. Um, that's fantastic. So now you have all this data. Where else do you do? Is there is there a plan to do anything else with this data? You know, you have actually these consumers that are trusting you with, with this, you know, complicated process where no other process does this much data go into. When you're working with a financial advisor, when you're working actually with, you know, with your CPA for your, for your taxes, no one gets to see the stuff that your, that your data system see. Is there ever right. a chance to, to get into like, you know, insurance monkey or, uh, you, know, um, uh -huh. you know, accounting monkey? Yeah. Is that is there actually yeah, a plan for you, uh, you you nailed you nailed it right on the head. So yes, we are thinking about uh, thinking about these types of things as well. Um, you know, first starting with things that are a bit more tangential. So, you know, uh, brokering uh, real estate is kind of like the nearest term tangential thing, and one of the things we think is really key in the purchase market. And uh, you know, we're not 
we didn't invent that strategy. Uh, obviously, Lone Depot has been doing that with Mellow Homes. Rocket has been doing that with Rocket Homes. Better is doing it with Better Realty. So we, we didn't invent the strategy. I'm not going to claim that we were the geniuses behind that one. But, but, uh, but it's the obvious strategy to take, which is, um, you know, mortgage is becoming the center of a lot of other transactions that happen. People are going to the mortgage company first because they know that I need to know what I can afford before I think about buying a home. And once they go to the mortgage company, you as the mortgage company are sort of the center of all those other vendors who might be able to get some of that business. And so that's definitely a thing that we're thinking about and thinking about how we can utilize. I think one of the things that I would emphasize about how we think though, is really what is the ideal consumer experience there? Um, so we're not just trying to capture that business for the purpose of like making more profit per, per deal. Obviously that's great, would love to do it. Um, but really what we're thinking a lot about there is what would actually make it a great consumer experience? So, you know, one of the things that I think uh, kind of speaks to that is uh, Redfin has a really cool model in brokering, at least they did originally. I'm not sure if they're 100% still on this game, but you know they have a really cool model where they said, there's a massive principal agent problem in real estate, right? Real estate agents are not necessarily fully aligned in incentive with the consumer because the real estate agent only gets X percent of the deal and they're better off doing two deals at the same time rather than spending two extra weeks on your home to get you, you know, 5% more on your deal. And, uh, and Freakonomics, I think, famously put out that study where they showed that real estate agents were selling their own homes for X percentage more than they sell their clients' homes for. And, uh, and so, you know, one of the things Redfin did to try and innovate against that problem is they said, hey, we are going to have consumers rate how their agent did and your share of, so Redfin gets their brokerage fee regardless, but then Redfin only pays the agent based on how they were rated by the consumer. What? And so, wow. uh, and so that lines up the incentives a lot, a lot more because now it's not specifically just selling two houses. It's, can I get these consumers to rate me well? And, uh, and you know, that's something that we're, again, we're very early stage on this kind of stuff, but that's something we're really, we, we think is awesome. And we're, we're really interested in kind of mirroring those ideas. I think the, uh, the, the monkeys are coming. That's right. <laughs> uh, apparently a group of monkeys is called a troop. This is, you know, something, something we looked up. So yeah, the troop, the troops arriving. <laughs> awesome. Hey, Ashwin, um, before I forget, this is one really big question I want to ask for the audience here. You have a technology background. Um, you have technology folks on your staff. Yeah, there, there's a lot of uh, other mortgage people out there saying, hey, I don't have that expertise. That's not my background. I've been doing this traditionally, but I realize that's the future. What are their next steps so that they don't fall behind and they can keep up with um, innovation? Yeah, great question. So I think I don't want to make this too uh, too granular, if you will. But uh, but in essence, there are kind of two business models in, in the world, right? There's people who run high volume price sensitive models. And then there are people who run low volume service sensitive models. Uh, we're obviously in the first category where we're about that sort of high volume price sensitive model. Now we want to create an incredible service experience too. 
but uh, but the consumer we sort of tailor to is is that consumer, and uh, and I think that obviously gets a little bit more complicated. But I think in both cases, what what I've observed, uh, so funnily enough, although I'm the kind of tech background person in the business, I have uh, gotten to do every part of the loan. I think at this point, except underwrite one, uh, but I've. Uh, I've actually this week been closing loans myself just to uh, get the experience of what the closing process is like. And, uh, and so as a result, I've gotten to talk to a lot of customers. And I think the biggest thing that we've seen and the, the largest part of the consumer experience that needs to be tackled is this process is extremely confusing. It really doesn't make a lot of sense from like an intuitive perspective as a consumer, unless you really have all the background knowledge about it. And uh, and I mean, again, so much so that, like I said, even even our own employees sometimes are like, well, "What what is this thing, anyways?" It's it's not intuitive, and so I think you know the first two pillars I talked about, personalization and uh, communication, those I actually think are the biggest things to making your business feel technologically powerful, even if it's not. And those are not technologically too hard to implement. So the way we think about those, I think the example I gave last time that people found pretty interesting was uh, we know, uh, we, we do a lot of brokering. Uh, and so when we broker loans, we don't control the full experience, unfortunately, someday we will. But, uh, but when we broker a loan, we know, for example, that when the customer goes to Quicken's portal to deal with disclosures from there, it's gonna be like this. When they go to PennyMax portal and they experience those disclosures, it's gonna be like this. So when a customer gets their disc, uh, gets put into disclosure status on our side, we have an email triggered and it based on which vendor they're with, it goes and tells them, okay, here's what your process is going to be like. So they know exactly what to expect. And we try to feed them that information at the right time. And that's something that I think, you know, can be done pretty readily with out of the box tools like Incelerate in our case is what we use, but you know, a CRM in general can can do that. So I think one way to get fast technology is to think first, how would I personalize and uh, communicate with my customer to make this experience intuitive? And then go to your CRM vendor and say, how can I make this work in your tool? And you know, fortunately, because uh, you're the client, uh, when you go to someone like Tim and you're like, hey, how do I make this happen? Tim, Tim himself might not do it, but he'll give you someone who will like work with you to get that done. Um, not with custom programming, obviously. Obviously, that's the next level. But if it's possible to do in the tool, you can definitely work with your technology vendors to do it. And CRM tools are a very powerful way to tackle that personalization element and that communication element. And then asynchronicity, there are a lot of good POS systems now that that do that. eSmarty, we think, is great and is is one way to uh, to sort of get that experience out of the box. And I think that's probably what I would recommend to people who who don't have tech teams in-house is uh, is finding a POS vendor, find a CRM vendor, tell them what your consumer experience should be, and then get them to tell you how they can do it. Hmm. Gotcha. Thank you so much. So really what I'm hearing is you know reach out to the vendors that exist, focus on one principle, in this case is exactly. communication, personalization, really, really do that well and exploit that as much as you can, for lack of a better word. And that will really kind of be the first major step to um, start taking um, the rest of the steps down the line. Exactly. Awesome. So, 
I, and when when you're so when you're doing the personalization and you're the communications, um, do you put the brand or the individual LO, you know, in the in the spotlight, you know, because you have actually this brand that's you know it's this powerful brand. I, I mean, honestly, I, I go through it. I think it's I think it's pretty awesome. I think it's a you know it's got a good look and feel. Um, you know, it, it, and it reminds me of like Mailchimp. Like I love Mailchimp. Mailchimp is actually a powers our organization. Um, so when I, when I when I look at that, I just you know, um, do you focus on the individual or do you focus on the brand more? Yeah, the answer is a little bit of both. So what we do is everything is always branded, Lone Monkey. Um, and Lone Monkey is the is the sort of relationship with the customer. But we always want the customer to feel that they have a person to reach out to and that this is a personal interaction of sorts. And so we have our messages come from the person who is dealing with that step of the process. So uh, the initial communications come from the loan officer. They're branded Loan Monkey, but they come from the loan officer's email. Uh, the communications, once the you know file goes into operations, will then come from the uh, processor, and we have a two-step uh, two-step processor situation. So we have a, a front-end processor and a back-end processor. Um, I think guaranteed rate is kind of on the same game, um, and uh, and so when they're in the front-end part of the process, we have the front-end processors communications go, and when they get to the back-end part of the process, we have the back-end processors email be the main one for communication. So they're always receiving communications from the person that if they wanted to pick up the phone and talk to someone, that's who they'd call. Um, now we do also, I guess, have a few automated communications that go from Albert. So Albert is the name of our loan monkey, Albert Simeon. Uh, Albert was the first monkey to go to space. And, uh, and so we do have a few automated communications that'll go from Albert, which will be things like, hey, heads up, it's a text message usually, we use it for texting. It'll be like, heads up, uh, an important email has uh, been sent to you about your disclosures, please you know, go and check it. It'll tell you roughly these things. We do have a few automated Albert communications like that, but, uh, but all the emails come from one of our employees, uh, automatically triggered, so they never actually have to send it, but. Fantastic, it's great story. It's, it's so great to actually hear, you know, your history, you know, the, you know, you're just new into this business and, you know, you, you've, you've mastered it, uh, you know, in, in such a short amount of time. Uh, love hearing actually the, the lessons you learn from team building, um, you know, the, uh, you know, the analogy of, of how actually, you know, um, you know, Tim actually pointed out how you have actually a, a chess uh, set where some of the pieces you're making, some of the pieces uh, you're relying on awesome vendors like Be Smarty. Um, so really just a, it's an amazing story. Um, Tim, you want to say anything uh, wrapping this up here? Well, first, uh, Ashwin, always admire what you do. I go to your website. I look at it. I, I wish our website looked like that. <laughs> I but um I always just, you know, this is the second webinar I've been on with you. Just learn amazing things. And, and it's not just what you do. It's why you do it, uh, the philosophy and the thinking behind it. And it's so gracious that you share this with everybody. Uh, I thank you for your time very much. I appreciate it. And thank you guys both for uh, having me on. Definitely appreciate the opportunity.
Thank you so much. And thank you for joining us for another Mortgage Leadership Outlook. Hopefully you're having a great Wednesday. Next week, we're very, very excited. We have Anise, who's a Vice President of Technology over at Planet Home Lending. So join us next Wednesday, 1 o'clock Pacific Time, um, 4 o'clock East Coast Time. Everyone have a great day and uh, hope you're enjoying this Wednesday. Thank you, guys.